Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 11.9 FM, broadcasting from Lower Carruthers Hall on Queen's campus in Kingston, Ontario. Today in YGK is brought to you by CFRC's News Collective. CFRC's news programming is made possible through the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services, What Will I Wear at 732 Princess Street, and The Screening Room at ScreeningRoomKingston.com. I'm CFRC's broadcast journalist, Christina Laurie, and here are your local news headlines. On Wednesday, February 7th, local MPP Ted Shu met with the team at Joe's Mill to hear more about the $28,000 Resilient Communities Fund grant they received from the Government of Ontario through the Ontario Trillium Foundation. The $28,000 grant is being used to improve access to the mill's instruments by creating weekly pop-ups in Kingston's Rideau Heights community and to ensure the mill's financial technology platform and operational processes are up to date. The project was started in April of 2023 and will continue until April of 2025. To chat a bit about the impact of this grant and their event on Wednesday, I sat down with Denny LaRue, president of the Mills Board of Directors. For those who aren't familiar with Joe's Mill, I was wondering if you could share a bit about the organization. Sure. Uh, Joe's Mill is Kingston's music library, which is uh, the same as a library, as everybody knows, where you get books, except that in our case, you get instruments. So uh, same as with a library, you get a library card, $25 per year, which allows you to come in and take and borrow pretty well any, any instrument that you like. We have from guitars to basses to pianos to saxophones to violins, pretty well anything under the sun. We have sitars, we have, so come on in and browse. We also um, partner with Systema Kingston, which um, is a worldwide organization that um, helps underserved, um, our underserved population to um, enjoy music uh, through our schools. So we provide instruments to Systemic Kingston. We also provide instruments to students uh, in schools who are in bands. So we will uh, lend them the instruments, uh, whether it be brass or, or string for the school year. Awesome. Yeah, good stuff. And I was wondering if you could speak a bit to the importance of being able to provide um, access to these instruments to the community. So not everybody has access to instruments. Instruments, as you know, are fairly expensive to buy. So um, that's the first thing. It allows people from youngsters to adults to um, investigate whether or not they would like to learn an instrument. And if so, you just borrow whatever you want. Another issue is that um, our schools uh, do have a music curriculum, but uh, it's really underfunded. And in speaking to our school boards, it's difficult to put instruments in the hands of kids and it's difficult to um, have music in schools. So we're hoping that, or we think that by us existing, kids can actually go in and use instruments. And we all know um, it's been proven that um, music enhances uh, your life from, from uh, being able to understand um, what it's like to learn an instrument, take care of an instrument, um, how it benefits you. It gives you something to do aside from other things that could be not beneficial to you, etc. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And on Wednesday, you celebrated um, a significant grant from the Ontario Trillium Foundation. I was wondering, um, how did you find out about this? When did you find out? And you know how you feel about receiving this this grant that is giving you more room to expand? So 
Joe's Mill is pretty well funded uh, through individuals like you. We have a small budget where we don't get uh, funding from the government for our operations, nor do we have any big corporate uh, organizations funding us. So it's all individual donations, the $20, the $100 donations that uh, allow us to do what we do. As an aside, all of our instruments are usually donated also. So everything that you see is from people like yourself. Um, mm -hmm just bring in their instruments uh, that have been in their closets for a long time and allow us to lend them out. Um, anyways, when we have big projects that um, that need bigger dollar amounts, we will go, we will um, ask for grants or contributions from government or foundations. The Ontario Trillium Foundation has been really good to us over the last few years. And this one, was twofold. Uh, we have a strategic plan, um, which um, which outlines what we are looking to do in the next uh, three years. And two of the things are operational excellence. So, from the operational excellence perspective, we need to uh, and we needed to enhance our our um, um, financial infrastructure and our technological infrastructure. So, we were able to get a grant from OTF, Ontario Territorial Foundation to um, give us um, QuickBooks Online, which is the financial package that we use to do our budget and to um, um, allow government to audit us if they need to audit us. Because right now, all we have is a standalone um, QuickBooks, which is not good. It also allowed us to get a point of sale software, Square, which, um, allow, which just makes it a lot easier for our librarians and our clients to um, loan instruments so you all you have to do is go in like in the store and tap um um the square um terminal to be able to to borrow your instrument more importantly um we're located at the tet center which mm -hmm. is a beautiful spot but it's really not uh, accessible for a lot of our um, our kingston uh, folks i'll use the um Lido Heights is an example. Not everybody can access um, the library for a variety of reasons. So we asked OTF uh, for a grant to be able to allow us to go to the Rito Heights um, location and do pop-ups on a weekly basis. So on a weekly basis, we'll go to the Rito Heights library, bring instruments there so that people can come in and take a look to see what we have. And we can also show them what we have online and then allow them to Take a look at the instrument, play it, and um, and hopefully borrow them. So uh, from that perspective, it's been uh, really good. The grant is for a period of two years, and we're hoping to see that. Uh, it's been a slow uptake so far, to be honest with you, but we're hoping that it will grow, grow in the next year. Yeah, that's awesome. Have the pop-ups already kicked off at Rideau Heights? Yeah, they have. Yeah, the grant was mm -hmm. given to it. It was a two-year period, and it was given to us uh, last May. So we slowly started. Uh, the pop-ups and we're embarking on a uh, something fairly new. We're going to uh, invite, uh, we're going to join with uh, another organization located there to bring in more uh, more students and have uh, one of our librarians actually teach kids how to play the ukulele. So hopefully we'll bring in more people by doing so. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and on Wednesday, you had an event sort of celebrating and showing off some of the stuff you've been doing with this grant. And I believe MPP Ted Shu was there. I was wondering how that event was. It was really good. Not a lot mm -hmm. of people were there, which is, uh, we and we knew that because we're 
we're open four hours per day, uh, five days of the week. So um, we were hoping that we'd have some clients there, but we didn't. But regardless, uh, MPP Shoe was there. And so was uh, Gary Melnick from the Ontario Children Foundation. So it was wonderful just to chat with them and especially to thank both of them for um, for getting the grant on our behalf because it was in the amount of $28,000. Mm -hmm. And for us, that's a large amount. And it allows us to continue to uh, benefit the community. Yeah, absolutely. And coming up, I was wondering if you could um, share how people can learn more about the library, access your services, and uh, attend those pop-ups as well. Sure. So the pop-ups are located at uh, Reader House Community Center on Wednesdays between 3 and 5. And the library is located at the Tet Center. Uh, we're open five days of the week, as I mentioned. Some days it's between noon and 4. Other days it's between uh, uh, 3 and 7. So just take a look. Come, come and take a look at our, um, our website, which is at joesmill.org. And you'll be able to see our hours and you'll be able to see what uh, what we do. And uh, we are about to have uh, an online inventory that you can browse um, and decide, hey, what, what would you like to see? But more importantly, I think, come on over and visit us. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. spot and it's fun. As soon as you go in, you'll see all of the instruments that we have and feel free to touch them, play them. Our librarians will be glad to help you out and uh, borrow an instrument. Or if you don't feel like borrowing an instrument, come on in and donate some money or donate some instruments to us and we'll gladly take them. Once again, that was Denis LaRue, president of the board of directors for Joe's Mill. In a message from KFLNA Public Health, avian influenza, also known as bird flu, has been confirmed in deceased Canada geese that were found along the Lake Ontario Park waterfront. Avian influenza infects wild birds such as geese, ducks, and shorebirds, and can infect domestic poultry. The risk of transmission to humans is low, as the virus does not typically pass from birds to humans. All residents are reminded to avoid contact with sick or dead wild or domestic birds. Protect yourself, your pets, and domestic birds. Do not handle or feed wild birds. Ensure pets are kept away from sick or dead birds or animals. Avoid contact with surfaces that appear to be contaminated with feces from wild birds. Wash hands thoroughly with soap and water immediately after unavoidable contact with birds or their droppings. Protect backyard flocks from contact with wild birds. As another layer of protection, KFLNA Public Health recommends that all residents get their annual flu shot. Although seasonal influenza vaccine does not prevent infection with avian flu viruses, it can reduce the risk of getting sick with human and avian flu viruses at the same time. If handling sick or dead wild birds is unavoidable, the Public Health Agency of Canada recommends wearing gloves and avoiding contact with blood, bodily fluids, and feces. Hands should be washed thoroughly with soap and warm water or use hand sanitizer containing at least 60% alcohol. Residents who find dead birds on private property are advised to double bag bird carcasses and consult their municipality for disposal instructions. Dead birds found on municipal property can be reported to the local municipality for pickup. Dead or sick bird sightings can also be reported to the Canadian Wildlife Health Cooperative using their online reporting tool or by calling 1-866-673-4781. For more information on avian influenza, you can visit kflaph.ca slash avianinfluenza. That wraps up your headlines for this evening and next up is Zayden Bergera with your sports desk. Good evening, everyone. My name is Zayden Vergara, and stay tuned tonight at 5.30 for your CFRC Sports Rundown. 
Tonight, we'll be taking a look at the Car Harris Cup as Queens challenge the RMC Paladins in the most historic hockey rivalry in the world at the Leon Center. The first period of action started. The Gales would be the first to find the scoreboard, being able to put two goals in on the first period, another one in the second as well as three in the third, giving them a 6-0 victory. Also, stay tuned for news on your Kingston Frontenacs as they hosted the Kitchener Rangers this past Friday, an electrifying game and a high-scoring affair that saw the teams trading goals back and forth in the final moments of the third period. With playoffs right on the horizon, we'll be going and giving some in-depth predictions as to how the OUA is going to shape up in men's and women's basketball as well as men's and women's volleyball, rounding things out to finish off with women's hockey. It's an electric time of year. You don't want to miss out. I'll see you at 5.30. But for now, over to Erica Singh with your campus news update. Thank you so much. Last week, as Queen students took to referendum, all student fees were approved except one with 59% of voters voting against the Increasing Student Life Center or SLC fee. The referendum sought to raise the mandatory SLC fee by $5.96 from $38.57 to $44.53 to support the operations of the AMS in the newly renovated John Deutsch University Center. The failed referendum is expected to impact the funding for AMS-run spaces, as student groups, including the AMS, are required to pay rent despite $62 million of the project being funded by undergraduate student fees. AMS Communications Director Michaela Crawford stated that increasing the SLC fee was deemed necessary to sustain AMS-operated spaces within the new revitalized JDOG. The future implications of the fee's failure remain unclear as of right now. In contrast, students approved the creation of four new optional student fees in the referendum. This includes a 50-cent fee for the Queen's Black Academic Society, a $1.10 fee for the Social Issues Commission's Menstrual Equity Project, a 20-cent fee for Proactive Minds, and a 75-cent opt-out fee for the Queen's Dental Aid Network, a club supporting dental hygiene among Kingston's unhoused population. Additionally, over 80% of voters supported continuing the mandatory $1 fees for the Sexual Health Resource Center and the Sexual Assault Center Kingston. Students elected to maintain a $0.50 cent Accessibility Queen's fee and the $0.85 cents Campus Observation Room fee, both of which are mandatory. Optional fees for the Center for Teaching and Learning, Queen's is American Sign Language Club, Queen's is Protecting Animal Welfare Society, Union Gallery and Assis Orientation Fundraising also received majority support in the referendum. Next, Queens has elected its new rector, Nikki Bochakale, but not all believe this vote was fair. The unsuccessful candidate, Leo Yang, took to social media and the Queens Journal, citing why he believes the election to be unfair. Yang stated a misleading automatic email, last-minute voting notifications, and influencer involvement as key reasons for his losing campaign. Although Leo Yang lost by nearly a thousand votes, he is calling for the elimination of the last four hours of votes and clarification on the voting process. That's all for me today. Thank you so much. Now over to Chloe with the weather.
Now it's time for your CFRC weather report for this evening. Tonight, we're expecting cloudy skies with a 40% chance of flurries early this evening, clearing up a bit later on. Winds will be up to 15 kilometers per hour. We have a low of minus 6 with windchill near minus 9 overnight. Looking to tomorrow, we're expecting mainly sunny skies with increasing cloudiness late in the afternoon. Winds will be up to 15 kilometers per hour and we have a high of plus 3. Windchill will be near minus 9 in the morning. There will be a UV index of 2 or low. Next up is your CFRC traffic report. Now it's time for your weekly CFRC traffic report. Please note that the winter parking ban is still in effect. Motorists are advised that overnight on-street parking is not permitted until the end of February. PSPC wishes to advise motorists of an alternating lane closure on LaSalle Causeway for major rehabilitation until April 30th, 2024. During this period, one lane will be closed and the other lane will remain open for alternating traffic. Motorists should expect short delays. Access will be maintained for pedestrians and cyclists. PSPC encourages users to exercise caution when traveling on the bridge and thanks them for their patience. In road closures, George Street, Stewart to Oak Hill is closed February 15th from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. for the removal and lifting of equipment to the roof of Botterell Hall. University Avenue, Union to Earl is closed until May 29th for the Queen's JDOC project. In parking disruptions, the Hanson Memorial Parking Structure Restoration Project is now underway. The work began last week and will conclude in late December of 2024. It is anticipated that no more than 50% of the available 271 parking spaces will be closed at any time. There is also parking availability at the Chown Memorial and Robert Bruce Memorial Parking Garages in the two adjacent blocks to the west. If you are looking to park downtown, please keep in mind that the Drury parking lot located at 57 Queen Street was permanently closed on February 4th. The city has a range of parking options for short-term parkers throughout Kingston. Community members can access alternating parking options by visiting cityofkingston.ca slash parking. Recommended locations within a couple of blocks include the Frontenac, Ontario slash Brock, Barrick, and Ongrove lots, as well as the Hanson Garage. Parking lot users and local businesses will be notified through on-site signage and outreach. City webpages are also being updated to include the new parking information. In other delays, Queen Street, Montreal to Sydenham expect an eastbound lane closure until April 1, 2024. Detours will be in place for the duration of the closure. That wraps up your CFRC traffic report, and next up is Danielle with your events and concerts calendar. And now it's time for the Community Concert and Events Calendar for February 12th to 18th. Have an event you'd like covered on our website or news programming? Contact us via cfrc.ca today. On February 12th, Queen Student Wellness Services will be hosting a healthy cooking session. Learn how to prepare a quick, easy, inexpensive, and healthy recipe. Upon registration, students will receive the location, time, and safety details. To register and pay the $10 fee, visit queens.ca slash studentwellness. On February 13th, the annual Shrove Pancake Dinner will be held at St. James Anglican Church from 5 to 7.30 p.m. All proceeds go to support the Indigenous Food Sovereignty Garden. Admission is $7 for adults, $5 for students, $3 for children aged 5 to 12, free for 5 and under, and $17 for families. On February 14th, the screening room will be playing some classic romantic comedies in the spirit of Valentine's Day. Catch Casablanca at 6 p.m. and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mine at 8.30 p.m. To purchase tickets, visit ScreenRoomKingston.com. On February 15th, Art Hive will be held at Agnes Etherington Art Center from 4 to 6 p.m. Art Hive is a chance for aspiring artists to explore the creative process through experimentation and play. Materials are provided and no prior art experience is necessary to participate. To register for free, visit agnes.queensu.ca. 
On February 16th from 1 to 6 p.m., Celebration of Books and Music, a fundraiser in support of the Seniors Association, will be held at the Senior Center. Browse through thousands of donated books, CDs, and puzzles. Admission is free. Also on February 16th, Fresh Food Market Pop-Up, an initiative of Kingston Community Health Centers, will appear at the YMCA. Fresh Food Market Pop-Up brings affordable produce and chef-created gourmet healthy options to Kingston and surrounding areas every week. Visit freshfoodmkt.ca for more information. On February 17th, an all-comedy variety show featuring drag will be held at the Broom Factory from 7 to 10 p.m. This is an all-ages show, however, content may not be appropriate for all ages, so parental discretion is advised. Tickets are $20 and can be purchased at www.rowinaway.com. Also on February 17th, at 7.30pm, Queen's Observatory will be hosting an open house at Ellis Hall. This event will include a presentation from featured speaker Parisa Nazari, Queen's Astronomy and Astrophysics PhD student, who will discuss dust in the interstellar medium and the inefficiency of star formation. The presentation will be followed by a tour of the observatory's facilities. Don't miss the chance to attend this entirely free event that is open to all ages. No need to register. Are you a trans, non-binary, genderqueer, genderfluid, or any other non-cisgender person who wants a safer space to swim and to meet other students and wider trans community members? Head over to the Athletic and Recreation Center on February 18th at 2.30pm for a solidarity swim. Swimmers will meet at the Arc Earl Street entrance at 2.20pm. This event is free and open to the wider Kingston community. For more information and to register, visit gogalesgo.com. Moving into the concerts for the week, on February 12th, Blue Note Trio will be performing at the RCHA Club from 4-7pm to 7 PM for free. On February 13th, Spectrum Voices Fundraiser Concert and Open Mic will take place at the Grad Club from 6.30 to 8 p.m. No ticket or RSVP is required, but donations are welcome to keep the choir free to join. All ages are welcome. To reserve a ticket or make a donation, visit eventbrite.ca. On February 14th, head over to the Miziki Cafe and Whiskey Bar at 8 p.m. to see Frank Ryan perform. This event is pay what you want by donation to the musicians. You must be 19 plus to attend. On February 15th, head to St. Larry's Pub from 7 to 10 p.m. for a free all-ages open mic night. Also on the 15th, there will be free karaoke at the Royal Tavern from 8 to 12 a.m. You must be 19 plus to attend. On February 16th from 7.30 to 10.30 p.m., Candace Springs will be performing a jazz soul concert at the Grand Opera House. For more information and to purchase tickets, visit kingstongrand.ca. Also on the 16th, a choir concert, Considering Matthew Shepard, will be held at the Isabel Bader Center for the Performing Arts from 7 to 10 p.m. Considering Matthew Shepard explores the life, legacy, and tragic death of Matthew Shepard. With acclaimed soloist, innovative staging, and an eight-piece ensemble, the composition delves into the complexities of Matthew's lives and the enduring impact on society. For more information and to purchase tickets, visit queensu.ca slash the Isabel. On February 17th, Birds of a Feather will be performing at the Embassy Live Music Cafe from 7 to 9.30 p.m. Cover is $10. On February 18th, bands Auras and Lazur will be performing at the Mansion at 7pm. Supporting bands are yet to be announced. Tickets are $20, which includes a free show poster, and can be purchased at ticketscene.ca. And finally, on February 18th, head over to the Toucan at 10.30pm for a free 19-plus karaoke night. This has been Danielle with your weekly event and concerts calendar. Wishing you all a great week. Thank you for tuning in to CFRC's local news programming. To revisit episodes of Today in YGK and hear more from some of our guests, you can head to our podcast network at podcast.cfrc.ca. Today in YGK is brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services, 
What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street, and the screening room at screeningroomkingston.com. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next. What'll I Wear offers the best in vintage, funky, one-of-a-kind treasures, clothing, accessories, and a fabulous selection of jewels, vintage and new. Find the cutest purse, the most dashing of hats and sunglasses, everything to complete your individual look. What'll I Wear has it all. They can dress you from top to bottom. Find your new fashion fave at What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street in Kingston. Visit their new location and follow them on Facebook to keep up to date with what's in store at What'll I Wear. 